It's good to see y'all. Glad y'all are awake, made it to church, especially if you took your kids to that Taylor Swift concert last night. Glad you, glad you survived all that. And um, you probably don't have any money left, but I'm glad you're at church. Glad you're at church. <laughs> hey, we've been in a series called The Church, and we've been um, leaning into the book of Acts and studying the first church, the early church, the early believers, and trying to figure out what can we learn from them that would help us develop some momentum, some, some spiritual movement in our own walk, our own discipleship process. In fact, uh, when I was meeting with our, our team, our communication team, our speaking team uh, about this series months ago, I just, I told them, I said, guys, I really feel like as we come out of Easter, we need to take a chunk of time and just lean into what it means to be a disciple to be a follower of Jesus. So that's really been our heart, is to kind of look back at the first followers of Jesus and learn as much as we can about being a disciple. It's really a discipleship series. And I thought it would be good today, probably could have done this weeks ago, actually, but I thought it would be good today just to kind of give some clarity to that word, discipleship, and what that really means, at least what it means to us here at True Life. And it's simply this. Discipleship is the process of learning to be an all-in follower of Jesus. Everybody say all in. And yeah, we're going to do it one more time because some of you are like, oh, you can't say all in like, oh, man. all right. So uh, everybody say all in. All yeah. Okay. So that's really what discipleship is. It's the, it's the process that I go through of learning how to be an all in follower of Jesus. And I've been, I grew up in church. I haven't, I haven't missed very much church in my life. I've had a relationship with Jesus for as, as long as I can remember. Certainly had some seasons where I wandered Make, made some questionable decisions, but um, here's, here's what I know about discipleship, is it never ends. Like, it, it just never ends, because if it ended, you'd be perfect, and that would make you Jesus, and you're not, and I'm not, and so it just, it just never ends, yeah? Uh, and so this is, it's the process of being all in, and in fact, when I, when I look at that early church, I look at Acts chapter two, and what was happening there, you, you even kind of get this sense that the early church, there was this kind of all-in momentum to what they were, like, you really didn't have an option, right? Like, you couldn't sit back and complain about whether or not the chairs were comfortable or the air conditioning was at the right temperature. Like, you kind of just had to, like, get busy and build the kingdom and, and participate in what God was doing. And um, there's persecution going on, and there's, there's struggle, there's all, all these, and there's tons of people, and the church is, early church is trying to figure out how do we serve them all? How do we help them all? And I love what you, you can see it actually in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, a deep sense of awe. Everybody say awe. Yeah, and I looked that up in the, in the original text in the Greek. That word awe there literally translates to like, whoa. Whoa. Can you believe what's happening? Can you believe what God is doing? Can you believe, like, that guy got saved? That family is going to make it? Can you, can you believe that the addictions have been broken? Can, can you believe the miracles that are happening? It was just this sense of, like, whoa, what is God doing? And I wonder how many of us find ourselves at times, I mean, if I'm honest, you just kind of get into the rhythm of life, and you forget how much is going on around you that is worthy of pausing and saying, wow, look what God is up to 
Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Like, look what he's doing. Look what he's done. Look at the miracle. In this church, in this church, marriages have been put back together. In this church, addictions have been broken. In this church, cancer has left people's bodies. I mean, like, like God, in this church, people who never thought would give their hearts to Jesus have become followers of Jesus. Like, it's happened here at True Life, and that's not unique to us. God's moving all over the world. But I think it's important for us to stop every once in a while and remember we should be in awe of what God is doing. Amen? By the way, some of you right now are like going like, that is a, where is he? Going, how is he going to make this a Mother's Day message? And, um, so let me just be really honest with you. I have never in the history of our church like, had a special message for Mother's Day or Father's Day. In fact, I argued with the Holy Spirit a little bit about it this week. And I was like, Lord, how come you've never given me like, a cool Mother's Day message? And I just felt like he said, because you're not a mother. And you would have no idea what you're talking about. That's, that's a fair point. Okay, Lord, I will just do whatever you tell me to do. All right, so, love you moms. Um, and I am in awe of you. And I think, the, here's the connection to Mother's Day. How many know if you're gonna do motherhood right, you better be all in? Like, you better be all in. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean you can't have a career or any of that. I'm not trying to get into social or political issues, but, but you, you better be all in if you're gonna get it right. And so you see this, there's a sense of awe, and the apostles are performing miracles and signs and wonders, and all the believers met what? Come on, all the believers met in one place. They're just, and they were, like, they were together a lot. The Bible says they were going house to house, having meals together, spending time together, and then they were coming together for temple worship and teaching. And, um, and I just want to pause for a second and just give a little encouragement to those of you who maybe you're watching online this morning. I, um, I am thrilled that you're on the other side of those cameras. In fact, it feels like weekly right now, Amanda and I meet someone uh, for the first time, and when we say, tell us your story, how did you get to True Life? They say, well, we felt like we needed something, and we started looking online for a church, and uh, we found you guys, and, and we started watching a couple of services online, and then after watching for a few weeks, we felt like it was time to come experience it in person, and, um, and so here we are, and I just, I love that beautiful story, that's, it's really why we do it, it's why we keep the cameras on, uh, because online is kind of the new front door uh, for people who are looking for a place to connect. Uh, here's the tension I feel in my heart, is, is people who are established church-going followers of Jesus have become a little too attached to the convenience of online, and I just want to challenge your thinking if that's you this morning. I love you. I really do. I'm not mad at you. I just want to encourage you to ask yourself, is what I'm doing consistent with what the church was doing in Scripture? Because it's very clear they were together in one place. And guess what? If you're going to be an all-in follower of Jesus, you will have to make some decisions. You will have to choose some priorities. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we move forward. And so, not a guilt trip, but it is a little bit of a challenge. I just wanna encourage if you're on the other side of those cameras, you need people, you need community. Can I get an amen from all the small group leaders? <laughs> all right. Or a, or a half-hearted clap will do as well, that's fine. Come on, y'all, we need community, say amen. amen. All right, so, um, 
together in one place, and, and they shared everything they had. Whitney talked about that a few weeks ago. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. By the way, important distinction there. Uh, they did not sell their property and possessions and buy the pastor a private jet. I'm just, there, there is a lot of spiritual manipulation that exists in our world right now, and what you do with your generosity and when you give, and yes, it does help us keep the lights on and pay salaries and all of that, but, but it's, it's, it's not for any one person. Can I, can I hear an amen, somebody? Like, we're, we're here to meet the needs of people, to help people, and they worship together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared in their meals with great, what? Joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day, the Lord did what? Added to their fellowship. We talked about that word fellowship a couple weeks ago. Same one here that the meaning really is participation. So each day, people are getting saved and they're joining in the mission of what God is doing. Now, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And I still, every time I read that, Acts chapter 2, I, like, I just get all fired up on the inside. Like that sounds really fun to be a part of, doesn't it? To be a part of that kind of movement, that, that, that kind of community, to see God moving in that way, to see that kind of life change happening and the miracles are happening and, and people, are do, just, people are literally just giving up everything to join this deal and be a part of it. Uh, what you may not understand about that first New Testament church, you know, there's thousands of people who join in the first few days. And part of the reason they're selling everything is they're foreigners from other places. And they're like, this is so good. We just want to stay here and be together. We never want to leave this. Can you imagine if we were like, hey, everybody, sell everything. We're moving in. Here, we have eight showers. How many know that could get weird? Right? So I'm not advocating for that, but there's clearly this amazing beautiful thing going on. And as much as I want to just like dive into that side of it, because that's fun and life-giving and inspiring, I had another argument with the Holy Spirit this week, preparing for this weekend, and I was like, God, like this is Mother's Day. I need to be all bright and cheery and fun. You can't, I can't, I can't do this. And I just really sense like, no, I, there, there's a piece of this that I need to share a warning with you. The temptation as a communicator, as somebody who's teaching the Bible, is to only go to the stuff that's comfortable. There's a lot of uncomfortable in your Bible. Do you all know that? In fact, there's a story a couple of chapters later. Acts chapter 4 talks about all these people who are selling everything and, uh, and giving everything to help people and to meet the needs of the poor and wealthy people who are selling their property and all of this. And so there's this, again, that just this continuation of this all in. Everybody's all in on what God is doing. And then you come to Acts chapter 5, and there's a wealthy guy named Ananias, who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property, and he brought part of the money to the apostles, which is fine. Like, it's your property. You can be as generous with it as you want. The problem is, he claimed it was everything. He claimed it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. And let me tell you what I see when I read this. Ananias and Sapphira see this amazing community where God's doing all of these things, and they, they recognize, man, if we're gonna be a part of this, you gotta be all in. And they're like, well, what if we could kind of have the appearance of being all in, but we won't really be all in? 
And they're like, yeah, and then we can keep some for ourselves, but we'll tell everybody. And I want to be very clear, the issue wasn't that they kept some. The issue was that they pretended they were all in. Now it's going to get, it's going to get a little dicey if you're not familiar with this story. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. How many know like the moment you're standing in front of Peter and he starts telling you stuff that he shouldn't know? How many think like maybe some butterflies in the tummy at this moment? Like Ananias is probably like, uh, oh boy. And, and Peter says, Ananias, hey man, the property was yours to sell or not sell. It was up to you as you wish. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? Watch this. You weren't lying to us. You were lying to who? And I got this sense this week that I was supposed to share this story with you as a warning. Because I think it's really easy to convince yourself that you can have some version of appearing to be all in as a follower of Jesus, but you're not being honest. You're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with your spiritual family. Most importantly, you're not being honest with the Lord. And so Ananias has this moment in front of Peter, and Peter's like, Ananias, dude, you lied to God. And the very next thing that happens, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and what? Aren't you encouraged on Mother's Day? <laughs> Not awesome. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. You think? That's just, that's just crazy to me. Like the, and then this is what happens when I read the Bible. I think scriptures are hilarious. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. So this is how this plays out in my mind, is like Peter reads his mail, Ananias falls down on the ground dead, and then they're all standing there like, hey, Peter, uh, what do we do with Ananias? And Peter's like, let's get the youth group to carry him out. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect job for them. Get him in here. <laughs> it's time to get your... Get your ministry experience, young people. <laughs> so they get him. They take him out. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, hey, um, is this the price you and your husband received for your land? And she says, yeah, Peter, that was, of course. And Peter said, how could, you, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? And you may not think you've ever done it, but I have. We rationalize things in, in our head that we know that the, that the Lord has been clear about in Scripture and the Holy Spirit is tugging at our hearts saying, please don't, please don't, please don't. This isn't what I want for you. And we rationalize it out in our head and we conspire a way to be disobedient to God and convince ourselves it's all going to be okay. And you're pretending to be all in when you're not. The young men who buried your, the youth group just buried your husband, and, um, and they're going to come get you too. Hey, youth group, get in here. 
Instantly she fell to the floor and died. And when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear. And I was curious about this word fear because I thought, is that like awe, reverence for God? Nope. The Greek word here literally meant like, run! Like, get away! Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, wouldn't it be kind of like a little hilarious if today at the end of the message, as you fill out your offering envelope and then you go to the receptacles in the lobby, wouldn't it be kind of funny if we put like a couple of ushers or Pastor Perry stood at one of the receptacles and right, right before you put your envelope in, he just went, you sure? <laughs> that everything? I'm just kidding, we would never do that. <coughs> I wonder, though, how many times we fall into the trap of trying to appear to be all in. We're like, we're really more like Ananias and Sapphira than we want to admit. And it's not about money. It's about our whole lives. It's about the condition of our heart. And we want to appear to be all in. We all want to go to heaven. That sounds great. But then God's like, also, I want you to deny yourself and make some tough choices. And we're like, eh, I don't know. I'll just go to church, I'll look churchy, I'll sing the songs, I'll even lift my hands. But that part of my life, God, I'm gonna keep that for myself. And the problem is, I don't think like anybody's gonna drop dead in church today, I really hope not, I don't want that, and our youth group's not equipped. But the truth is, if you're pretending, you're probably experiencing death in some area of your life. Because God can't bless it. He's a God of order. And when we pretend to be all in but we're not, we actually rob ourselves of the favor of God. And it makes me understand kind of what Paul's trying to say. Like, I would never think in a million years that it ever even come close to Paul. But I think I understand what he's trying to say to the church in Galatia in, in Galatians 4.19 when he says, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you. There's a great Mother's Day verse. Because you know all the women were like, Paul, shut up. You have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, no, really, that's kind of what it feels like. And I think I can speak on behalf of, of most spiritual leaders, when I say like, this is a tension I constantly feel. You want something for the people that you're leading. And you're like, oh, I just wish you could figure it out. I wish you could get there. He says, I'm gonna continue to feel this way until you are fully developed in your life, until Christ is fully developed in your lives, and he's, he's saying like, I wish you could figure out how to be all in as a disciple of Jesus. I wish you would commit to this process. I wish you would stop pretending. I want it so bad for you. It's so bad that it's painful for me. It's kind of what Paul's saying, and I, I can relate a little bit. He's saying, I, look, look, what I really want you to understand is that, that I will never get the best of what God has to offer me until I give God my best. You're just not going to get, I, I, I've, I've just learned this. And it's not that he's manipulative or he's trying to withhold. 
It's just, he's in charge. And so it's just like if you're a parent, right? Like you probably have systems in your house for order. And when your children choose to do things out of order, you're not gonna be like, oh, here's $100. No, you're gonna, you know what? I'm so sorry you made that decision. I will now become the owner of your Nintendo Switch for the next seven days. Love you. And I think sometimes God's like, he's like, man, I have all this blessing, I have all this favor. You have the power to unlock it if you would just go all in. So that's the question I was asking this week. What would it look like to be an all-in follower of Jesus? It's factually like the question of pastoring this church that I spend most of my time wrestling with right now. How do we help people become all-in followers of Jesus? I celebrate the salvations and the hands raised on the weekend. That's, that's amazing. I celebrate when our church grows and there's numerical growth and there's more people in the seats. And I mean, that's all wonderful. But what's keeping me awake at night right now is like, what happens after that? Like, how many of us actually know how to open our Bible and read it? How many of us are walking with the Lord every day and hearing from him and communing with him and having conversation with him? How many of us are making Jesus the center of our homes and our families? It's the thing that I'm, like, I just can't get away from it. And so I wanted to just take some time this morning and kind of define what I think some choices I would make that I am making and I hope you would make that would be a, an accurate representation or would at least help us take some steps towards being an all-in follower of Jesus. Now, I realize that might cause you to have to make some decisions that you're not ready to make this morning, so I'm not going to ask you right now to commit to being all-in, but I do want to ask this question. How many of us would at least admit that we, we would probably enjoy the blessings that come from being an all-in follower of Jesus, right? So most of us. And so I just thought, okay, what, what does that look like to be all-in as a disciple, to, to, to continue to grow in my discipleship journey. And I just had kind of four, four things that I wanted to share with you this morning. The first thing I would do is something 32 of you did last weekend, and that's that I would make my relationship with God public. Public. Now, a bunch of you did it in water baptism, but I'm not talking about water baptism. That's a piece. But I'm talking about the way we live our lives, and especially like right now, in, and we need to, you need to know it's very unique to our society, our culture, like Western culture in America. It's kind of almost like a little bit scary to be public of, with the fact that you're a, a Christ follower, right? Like, because then that opens up Pandora's box on all the things that you believe in. Man, if society's pushing in, in, a, in a different direction, then that can, it can get really uncomfortable Real quick. It can get you in a meeting with an HR person pretty quickly. Right? Where can I pray? Where can I not pray? How open can I be with my faith? And so let me just ask you a question. While you're wrestling with all of that, let me just ask you a, a simple question that you need to, this is the thing you need to answer first before you worry about all of that. Do you trust God? Because if you do, then he's probably got you. And I'm not saying be unwise, but I am asking, like, where's our boldness? Where is it? 
Where, where, why, why are we spending so much time in hiding? We shouldn't. In fact, Jesus directly tells us that everyone who acknowledges me, what? Here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Can I just say to you, Christ follower, come out of hiding. Being a follower of Jesus is not worthy of shame. You have the answer to everything. You have the answer to broken hearts. You have miracles inside of you. You have, you have hope and peace and everything that the world is craving and trying to fill their lives and, and, and every problem they're trying to solve with everything else, you've got it in you already. We don't need to hide. We don't need to be ashamed. We might need to work on compassion and kindness, but we don't need to be in hiding. Can I get an amen this morning? I had this happen yesterday. I was sitting at a baseball game. I watched my 10-year-old. He's playing baseball. Family sat down next to us, really, really sweet family. In fact, they, they brought fresh, hot, out-of-the-oven Philly pretzel factory pretzels, and they were there to see the other team play and offered me a pretzel. I'm like, that is really kind of you. I'm trying to watch the carbs. No, thank you. Your pastor did good. Said no, but it was nice. And so we're just chatting. We're getting to know each other. He had been a, reti he was a retired postal worker, and so I was just getting to know him a little bit. And I knew the question was coming. Because it's always coming. And I always feel the tension. And if I'm, can I just be honest with you? There have been times where people are like, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, pastor. Because you just never know how people are going to respond to that. I've literally had conversations, like one really awkward one where I was sitting next to a stranger on an airplane, and as soon as I said it, like that was the end of the conversation, complete silence the rest of the flight, like super awkward. But I've just decided... I don't care. I'm called. I'm proud to be called. I'm thankful that God called me. I'm thankful that he has his hand on my life. I'm thankful that Jesus saved me and that one day I'm going to spend eternity with him. And so I've just decided I'm going to be honest about it. And so it came. And this gentleman said, so what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor at True Life Church. He went, the one over there on 896, he goes, honey, this guy's the pastor at True Life. And he, she goes, oh, praise the Lord. You know, we do street ministry. It was like this amazing, like God put it together conversation with a, with a complete stranger. And I was just like, yeah, I'm a pastor. It's like this, it's like the Holy Spirit just did something in me. Like, and I want to say the same thing to you. You don't have to be the pastor. You can just say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I need the world to know. I need the world to see a demonstration of my changed life. Come on, how many of y'all, your life is different with Jesus than it was before Jesus? Right? Like, so get out there. Do whatever you got to do to pump yourself up, motivate yourself. Sing that little, remember that little song we used to sing in, in kids' church, Miss Penny? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, 
I'm going to let it shine. You remember that? And then you do like, hide it under a bush. No. And you get all, no. And now we're like, hide it under a bush. And we're like, maybe. Maybe. The minute I say I'm a Christian, somebody's going to think I'm a MAGA. I don't know. We just have all these different things that we connect it to that it's like just silly. You know what it's about? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about lives changed. Souls saved. There needs to be a demonstration of my changed life, and I need to let the world know I belong to Jesus, which affects my choices. No, I will not go and participate in what you're doing. Why? Because I don't belong to that. I belong to Jesus. There's some choices that I'm going to make because I belong to Jesus. I remember uh, before I went full-time with the church, I was working in a secular sales position, and there were opportunities at times to go get, get invited, like, hey, you guys, we're going to all go get some drinks at the end of the day, and, which I'm not here to throw shade at you if you got drinks at the end of the day with your coworkers. I just knew it wasn't for me. I knew it wasn't where I was supposed to invest my time. I was supposed to go home to my wife and my daughter at the time. My son hadn't been born yet. And I was supposed to invest in my family and build my marriage and get ready to plant a church. I just knew that, that my life, that this wasn't a choice that I got to make. It was already decided. And so I would just politely say, nope, I'm sorry, can't do that. Got to get home to my family. I hope you guys have a good time. I wasn't judgmental. I wasn't like, well, nope, because y'all are going to hell. And I'm not, no, I didn't, don't, don't need to do that. In fact, I don't even know that they are. I just knew it wasn't for me. And when your life belongs to Jesus, that changes the process you go through when you make decisions. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? All right, so get public with your faith. Number two, I, I think an all-in follower of Jesus develops a habit of spending time with God. Everybody say the last word. Daily. Daily. In fact, David understood this. He said, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord, each morning. Every morning, God, I'm going to have a conversation with you. I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Uh, if you've never participated in a group, in a small group here at True Life, let me tell you the first group you need to do before you do freedom, before you do a marriage group, before you do any of them. The very first small group you need to try to get in this fall, hopefully there's a day that would work for you, is a, is a, a curriculum we do called Fresh Start. And what it'll do is if you're, if you're a young believer, it'll help you frame your relationship with God correctly. It'll give you some basic doctrine so you understand who you are and who God is and what that relationship looks like. But even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, it'll help you just kind of hit reset and get back to the basics and make sure it's healthy. One of the things we teach in Fresh Start is a concept called the first 15. Everybody say first 15. It's just a simple daily rhythm, a daily discipline that if you're trying to figure out like how do I spend time with God daily, this is one of many tools that you could use to help you establish that. And it's really simple. Just every morning spend five minutes reading God's word. Just five minutes. Get in the scriptures, read it. Maybe you want to use one-year Bible. Maybe there's a, a reading plan that you like to use. Uh, maybe you come from like an old school 
charismatic background like I do where people would literally take a Bible and just let it flop and they would assume that wherever it landed, that's what God wanted them to read that day. I'm not even sure that that's even close to accurate, but whatever. I'd rather you do that and have some scripture coming into your life than none at all. And just, just five, like this is really, everybody can do this. Everybody can do five minutes. And I think what will happen is if you, if you do this, you'll find yourself craving more. So five minutes in God's word and then five minutes in worship. And if you're not sure where to begin with worship, worship is just letting God know how much you love him and how great he is and bringing honor and glory to him. But you can even do it with music if that's easier for you. So five, five minutes, that's one song. Like just get your Spotify playlist and get your favorite worship song or find the favorite song that we play on Sundays and just spend five minutes and just sing. Spend time with the Lord. You can do this in your car, the worship part. The Bible reading part, probably not, but the worship part, you could do in your car. You can be that person at the stoplight that's just going for it. And everybody's like, all right. Five, just five minutes in worship and then five minutes in prayer. Have a, have a conversation with the Lord. And just, just start your day with this. Amanda and I were recently talking to a, a young leader and we were kind of probing on some of their at a young age, how they were doing at developing their spiritual disciplines. And so I just asked, like, how do you make sure every day you keep this fresh? And he started laughing. He said, I have my phone. My alarm clock goes off in the morning, and then the screen flips to just giant letters, read the word every day. Read the word. It just drives me, it just reminds me every day, it drives me back to time with God, back to the Bible, back to scripture, read the word. So if I'm an all-in disciple, I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna be public with my faith, I'm gonna spend time with God, how often? And then here's the third one, I might need to reorder some of my relationships. I'm not talking about ditching anybody or being a bad friend, but I just think it's worth evaluating sometimes, who am I taking my walks with? Because Proverbs 13.20 says, if I walk with the wise, I will become what? And if I associate with fools, I will get into what? So I just, I prefer wise. Of the two options, that feels like the better one. Agreed? So it's, it's actually worth evaluating. Do my relationships propel me toward Jesus? or not, and you might need to reorder some of those. You might need to set new boundaries on some of those so that you can be Christ-honoring, God-honoring in your relationships. First Corinthians 15, Paul says, y'all be careful, there's some people who are gonna tell you otherwise, but I'm telling you the truth. Bad company does what? Corrupts good character. We need to be careful of our relationships we need, we need some people in our lives who will bring some accountability and who will challenge us. I've I, I decided a long time ago, I'm just going to be really careful about the relationships that I form and especially going to be real careful about spending too much time by myself. Most of my worst decisions happened after time by myself. Anybody else? Like I recently traveled, I, you, you all should know this anyway, if you call this your church home, you should know this. This is one of the things that we try to do to make sure 
don't do anything stupid. So I, I went to a conference for a bunch of pastors, and Amanda couldn't come with me. She, was, she wanted to stay back and get the kids to school and, and all of that. That's really her passion. And um, so I just won't travel alone. I just, I just won't do it. So I went to one of the men here in our church. And I said, hey, man, would you be my travel friend for this week and, and hang out? And I told him, like, hey, you got a couple of jobs. Number one, don't let me eat sugar. <laughs> Number two, when pastors travel by themselves, for some reason they tend to do stupid things. Don't let me do any stupid things that would bring pain to my family or pain to our church when we go home. And he was like, okay, I got you. He let me eat one cookie. But otherwise, <laughs> it was the hotel, you know, like when you check in and they're like, would you like a cookie? And you're like, yeah, I would like a cookie. All right. So I need to reorder my relationships so that my relationships help move me toward Jesus. And let me just give you three things you might want to consider with that. Uh, do you have a relationship with your local church? It doesn't have to be this church. Full transparency, that would be my preference. But maybe you're here visiting from out of town for Mother's Day, you're with family, and I would just encourage you to really evaluate this. Do I have a relationship with my local church? That is not the same as attending every weekend. That, that's, a, that's a layer past attending every weekend. In fact, when you develop that, one of the things that it will mean is that you also have a relationship with a group within that church. Some churches do this intentionally. I, every church has small groups. <laughs> if you do them on purpose, you call them small groups. If they happen on accident, you call them clicks. All right, so we do. <laughs> All right, so we just do it on purpose. Um, not to give you a gossip group, but because you do need two or three people in your life who know everything. Who, when you're in trouble, you can call them. Uh, one of my best friends, pastor friend, a man and I are trying to make some leadership decisions and navigate some things right now, and I was just feeling like annoyed. I was like, God, what the heck? Frustrated. Um, if you own a business, you know what this is like. Like, you're trying to find... We've got some, some hiring that we need to do over the next 12 to 24 months. Can't find good candidates. And I'm just like, man, Lord, what in the world? And so I called a pastor friend of mine. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm grouchy. He's like, tell me why. And so I told him, he's like, man, I'm having the exact same problem. I'm grouchy too. And so we just complained for a couple of minutes together. But then we got to the place where we went, hey, but you remember like, this is God's deal, right? Like, this belongs to him. We don't need to be worried about this. He's got it handled. And then we prayed for each other and we encouraged each other. Can I just tell you, you need that in your life. I need it. I need a relationship with a few people who know the stuff that nobody, that, like, I just, I'm pretty transparent, but there's still probably a few things I'm not gonna say to all of you on a Sunday morning. I got a few people that I'm gonna have that conversation with. Y'all tracking with me this morning? And then I think to make sure it doesn't become all about you, you also should have a relationship with a team. In other words, some people that you lock arms with and you get some stuff done together. 
You go do the work of the kingdom together. So I would get, if I wanted to be an all-in believer, I, 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 would, I would make sure I'm, I've got some boldness that I'm being public with my faith. I would make sure that I've got a daily time with the Lord. I would, I would make sure that my relationships are healthy and that they're propelling me towards Jesus. And here's the last one. I would make sure that I prioritize my purpose, which is making a difference in the lives of others. Let me say something to you. If you can hear me speaking right now in this room or online, 100% of us are called of God to make a difference in the lives of others. Your assignment might be different. Like, I'm supposed to preach. You might not be called to preach. God not, might not put that assignment on you. Your assignment might be to go into the marketplace and build a business on integrity and character and honesty and be a shining light in a dark world. Your, your assignment might be to go into a classroom and to teach. Your assignment might be to stay at home and raise your family or your kids. I don't know what your assignment is, but I do know this. You're called to make a difference in the lives of others. That's why Paul says to the church at Ephesus, we are God's workmanship created in, in Christ Jesus. Everybody say the next word, to, come on, to, to do good works. We don't do to make God love us. He already loves us more than we could ever imagine. But he has asked us to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like he's got some stuff that he's sitting there going, I just need you to do this. I just need you to do it. Are you gonna do it? You'd be a great small group leader, would you do that? No, okay. Um, you know, your neighbor's health is not great and their, their lawn is kind of overgrown. Could, would you do that? I'm just, you're really good at that. You've got great landscaping skills. Also, you could swing by your pastor's house because he's got none. <laughs> Here's what we need to be careful of, and I'm, I am deeply concerned about this. We do a lot of work, spend a lot of time trying to make sure that the church is attractive to people. We hang lights in the ceiling and we try to have comfortable chairs and we try to make sure that air conditioning is working. You notice like in the early church, the New Testament church, like nobody's sitting around complaining about all the services and features that the church doesn't have for them. You won't find it. You will find some widows and who are like, uh, we're kind of getting left out because we don't speak the language. Can anybody help us? And then the church immediately moves to meet the need. But you see this thing that's in motion, and I just, I worry sometimes like our style of ministry, if we're not careful, plays right into this kind of very consumer-driven culture that we live in. 
You know, like you could hop on Google right now and give star ratings to all the churches in our city. Like you can go shop and then rate, can you, like that's the bride of Christ. Can you imagine going to like your best friend's wedding and everybody's texting, giving a star rating for the bride? How jacked up would that be? But that's what we do with the bride of Christ. Great kids area, mediocre preaching, weird flowery shirt, three stars. I mean, like we would, it just concerns me a little bit. And what I'm calling you to this morning is this. Let's make sure we see ourselves as spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. He's placed it in all of us to contribute something. In fact, one, one of the areas that I'd love to, to kind of see us grow right now are, are a couple of our worship and technical arts guys came to me and they're like, hey, would you mind sharing this? And I was like, well, actually, this will fit great with this message that I'm getting ready to share in our church series. Like, some of you have great skills. You, love technology or you'd be great behind a camera or controlling all this cool I mean this stuff's cool like it it is cool right I mean I just think it's cool y'all should see it when there's football on that thing it's awesome it's like the rapture is happening in that Some of our musicians and singers, man, they've got better church attendance than I do because there's, there's nobody on the bench behind them. So if you have those kinds of gifts and talents, here's one of the things that you could evaluate. Like, maybe I could contribute there instead of just consuming. So they're having a worship and tech open house on the 18th at 6.30 p.m. You could sign up ahead of time and they're just gonna let you see what happens here on a Thursday night and how rehearsals flow and what our audition. Here's the cool thing about our church. We're really honest with you. So if you think you can sing, but you can't, we will tell you. And that's why it's worship and tech open house because we can be like, you know what? Why don't you go back here and push some buttons? All right, so like that's... <laughs> But uh, more than that, all, everybody, everybody has gifts and talents. And in fact, you could come tonight to step two of Life Track. We don't even care if you do it in order. Tonight is all about helping you figure out how God has uniquely designed and wired you to make a difference. We would love to help you with that. Some of you, I know you're like, I am not doing things out of order. That's not me. And so if you want to start at step one, that's June 4th at 5 p.m. We, we would just, I just, I don't know how else to say this. Like, we really do have these things to serve you. Like I, don't, I don't need it. None of my staff needs to spend Sunday evenings at the church. They're here to serve you. Because we want to see you experience the fulfillment that comes from being a contributor, to being an all-in disciple, and follower of Jesus. We are church. Come on, everybody say it. We are the church. We are. That's who we are. 
And we do exist for spiritual development and for growth, for health, but we also exist for the world. That's why you're giving thousands and thousands of dollars right now to feed children in Africa and respond to natural disasters and to rescue people from trafficking and slavery and to hold events like a special needs egg hunt or serve day that's coming up in the summer where if you know somebody in need and there's a project that our team could come alongside and help fill that need, like you need to let us know on a connection card right now so we can plan for that. We've cut grass and painted houses and replaced decks and built wheelchair ramps and all because we just want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus because we're all in. We're all in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? The reason I don't hesitate and I'm not ashamed to ask you if you're all in is because I know that Jesus already went all in for you. He didn't have to. He went to the cross and even in the midst of immense torture and pain cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't even know. They don't know what they're doing. And I wonder after he's gone all in for you, had a moment of surrender and stepped into a relationship with him, made him Lord and Savior of your life. That's step one to being a disciple. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, please, nobody looking around right now, I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room who would say, Michael, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but I know today I need to. It needs to happen right now. Would you just real quick just wave your hand at me? If you're watching online, you can see it. Anybody else? watching online, you, I can't see you, but God sees you. Anybody else? You just say, Michael, I need, to, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I need to begin a relationship with him. Anybody? Okay, awesome. If you're making that decision right now, all you need to do is pray. Just say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe you paid for my sin on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead three days later. And I believe that from this moment on, you are the Lord of my life. Save me. Please forgive me for all the time I've spent living my life my own way. I want to do it your way. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, to stand to your feet. I'm about to dismiss you. Apologize, I've gone just a touch longer than normal, so just give me two more minutes. And I'm going to ask you to remain in a, just an attitude of prayer if you would, so just keep your head bowed, eyes closed. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you just to wrestle with this question right now. Am I all in? Am I all in? Have I been bold, open, honest, public with the fact that my life belongs to Jesus? Have I committed to daily time with him? Do my relationships glorify God and propel me towards Jesus? Am 
I making a difference in the lives of others on his behalf? Am I all in? And only you know. The Holy Spirit right now is probably helping you with that answer. And so I just want to pray for you that if there's some area of our life where we're not all in, that God would make it clear. You know, I had a beautiful conversation recently with a friend who I reached out to, and we have had a a, a need in our church where we need someone to serve. And so I called a friend and I said, hey, would you consider this? And he he said back to me, it is so weird that you're calling me right now because I literally just prayed, God, I need to be all in. Show me what to do. He said, and here you are calling me. It was was awesome. It was like one of those like goosebump, tingly moments. And I'm praying that, that some of us would have some moments like that over the weeks ahead where God makes clear to us some steps we can take to be all in. Maybe it's one of the ones I showed you this morning. Maybe it's getting in a small group or leading a group. Maybe it's serving on a team, attending an open house, coming to Life Track. Maybe it's not even in this building. Maybe it's something else God is leading you to. I pray that it would be clear. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people, for your church. I thank you for revealing to us today what it looks like to be all in as a follower of you. We want to be disciples, followers of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, please lead us to whatever comes next. Some of us need to get a little bold, a little boldness back, be a little more honest with our faith, not be ashamed of being a Christ follower. Some of us have just, we've gotten busy and other things have taken over our calendars and our time and we're just not spending time with you. So I pray we would just reestablish that habit. Some of us, God, our, our relationships need to be tweaked a little bit, so I pray you would give us a clear plan. God, some of us, we're just, we're doing a little bit too much for, for ourselves and not enough for others. And so I pray you would just call us out of that way of living that we would not be consumers, but we would be contributors. And Lord, I thank you that as we do that, we're gonna experience your blessing, your favor. You're gonna show up and move in our lives. We're gonna see fruit from it. It might be hard work, but we're gonna see fruit from it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, if you receive that, would you say amen?